You would have paid it. Where do the best burgers come from? Shake Shack. Shake, Shake Shack. Shake Five guys. You you all said Shake Shack? I meant to say Burger me? 7 because they're halal. <clears throat> Ooh, Amber doesn't eat halal. Coming <laughs> from you, Mr. Five Guys. He never denied it, though. Five Guys is halal. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, yeah, so uh, clearly we have a fourth voice on the podcast. Hello, it is people. the legendary person that's been on every podcast but hasn't been on every podcast whoa you've deep. heard us mention her she's always here but not here she always is here the basement is always here the basement aisha amber's roommate can Hello. we do some snaps for her yes aisha aisha what does it feel like <laughs> to finally be on the podcast well i have to say from hearing it from my room it's pretty refreshing because like i always hear you guys talking about stuff and i'm like ooh, i wish i could have some input but i can't that's now crazy. You so like, now you, you always hear us, and you're always like, "Man, I wish I could say something." Yeah. Oh man. But now I just, feel special because you guys let me talk in this episode. So you thanks, sh- guys. You should just come out sometimes and just like just black, yell something, just, just scream <laughs> your opinion. <laughs> Literally, so we can like hear. I disagree. I hate this. <laughs> just kidding. You guys have awesome opinions. Oh, That's also you. very entertaining to have oh. a psycho person on the podcast just coming in and screaming. <laughs> oh yeah. I disagree. The cameras would love that. Me just running through yeah, everything. That'd be sure. awesome. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of Strange Flavors. This is brought to you by Alif Theory. My name is Fred. Us? My name is Pantan. My <laughs> name is Amber. He finds this so funny. It's if anybody's ever watched uh, Pink Panther, like the dude's assistant, his name is Pantan. <laughs> Shamir thinks it's hilarious. He won't stop laughing at it. I'm pretty sure that's his name. I'll show you the clip afterwards. Um, so uh, we just finished up um, most of our shows. We have one last show left at uh, Harford Community College uh, this Thursday, April 26th. Um, it's gonna be at like 12 p.m. Yeah, so look out for that if you're in the country lane, Bel Air area, great time. Come on through. <laughs> um, and shoot us an email if you want to send us any comments, questions, concerns, anybody that you feel like should be on the podcast, or anybody if you should want be to be. Oh, oh, so she's referring to herself. <laughs> Whoa. Um, yeah, and your music. If you if you're a music producer, a rapper, or a, a yodeler. Artist. Um, send us an email especially if you yodel strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com subscribe to us and follow us on all our social media Uh, you can find us Strange Flavors on the podcast app Twitter, Instagram, Facebook SoundCloud and YouTube of course thank you for subscribing and turning on the notification bell we appreciate swag swag YouTube gang 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 gang. so uh, Coachella has happened this past week yeah true pretty exciting stuff that came out of that one of the biggest conversations that people have been talking about is this uh, is is Beyonce, right? Beychella, they're calling it Beychella. Beychella. So, I don't know if you guys got to see any of it, but it was pretty incredible what highlights. Beyonce was doing. So has so she had like this entire army of dancers and and this band like full live band and just dancing away. And how long was it? Like it was like an. It was pretty long. long. I feel like Hour? that's a lot for Coachella. For just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like music awards, I can imagine that, but like Coachella. Like this like was a Beyonce full fledged. And it was like what, two in the morning? Lifetime concert. 
was early in the morning right? was it that early it was that's what crazy. It was, yeah it was like super late at night dang dang so out of this this conversation has um rise up in social media comparing the best performers alive and and in that discussion is primarily beyonce and michael jackson mm-hmm. so they're saying like there's some people arguing that Beyonce is the best performer of all time. And then some people are like, no way. It's Michael Jackson. Like, Michael Jackson is the king of all that. Um, and just for this uh, this image that's going around, it, it has their comparing um, different statistics. So, it, like, albums, Beyonce has six. Uh, Mike has six. Uh, movies, Beyonce has 12. And Mike has one. Tours, Beyonce has 10, Mike has 4. Grammys, Beyonce has 20, Mike has 19. Billboard Awards, 34, Beyonce, and 6 for Mike. And for Beyonce, she has over 160 million records sold, and Michael Jackson has over 350 million records sold. It's also not a fair comparison because right. huge time differences, but... Yeah. I mean, initially, what do you guys think? You have to pick one. Who are you going with? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson or quick. Beyonce? Michael Jackson for me, easily. Because at the time, even like 20, 30 years ago, he was doing some crazy stuff that people don't even do nowadays still. Like what? Well, there was uh, one Pepsi commercial he did and he like recorded that live session and that's where he like got burned like alive. And there was another performance where like he was flying on like this little crane thing and a fan jumped on stage and the fan was like trying to like hug him and he held the fan and was performing while like the fan was like, you know, it was like a candid moment, but like he was doing these crazy things while he was like flying and he was holding that fan while like okay. the fan was just like, oh my gosh. Okay, but we're talking about best performer alive and we're talking about everything that they're doing performance wise. Yeah, like that's crazy performance because like, you know, people would like stop or like. Yeah, but you're talking happen. about people stopping. What? I, his sets were just like crazy too. Okay, yeah. all right. What do you guys think? Where I'd have to say. So I think you can't really compare the two, in my personal You have to pick opinion. one, Aisha. I can only pick one. You have to pick one, yeah. Who's the better performer? Live well, I would performer. have to say at the time, Yeah. I would say Michael Jackson. Just because at the time, like, the resources he had, like, music industry wasn't as big back then. He was kind of, like, the spark. And Beyonce, she's amazing. She's absolutely great. Mm-hmm. But you can probably compare to the other, like, Lady Gaga. Like, she's at the level but higher. But Michael Jackson, like, he didn't have a lot of competition because he was the best. He raised the bar in everything. Whereas Beyonce kind of, like, everyone's at the same level. So I think that's how I would comprehend it. So I would go with Michael Jackson. Okay. You Are you Team Mike? Team Beyonce? It's like, uh, okay, I... <clears throat> you can't say Cardi B, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, okay, so before I was saying Cardi B, I was actually always like, oh my god, Beyonce. I love Beyonce, um, but I can't say either or right now because the only reason why is because Michael Jackson did a lot of like performances where he himself wowed. And like for what he was doing, I think it was great. Beyonce, like you said, she had an army of people dancing with her, and it was really amazing. I think that's a difference in itself. They have two com- completely different styles, like just in that. And... I think that there's too many, like, time, not just in time differences, but in performance differences, music differences, like, for what they are in their times, I think they're both very incredible. But if, if they were in the same time period, I'd be able to choose one, but I can't. So I think if Michael... You have to pick one. I'm not choosing one. <laughs> I think Michael Jackson today... You can't just do that. Everybody's picking that. one. 
I'm sorry. I agree though. Michael Jackson today would be like probably at the level. Yeah. I think that if we had in the same time period, like I think it would give us a better picture. I think Michael Jackson would be better if, if today because back then like he was just doing but you, crazy right. things but you can't compare that either because we're looking at what beyonce is against and we're looking at what michael jackson was at at the time you can't just say like oh if beyonce was because we what's don't know what beyonce answer? would have been back answer? then i'm saying beyonce okay true i'm saying beyonce because mm-hmm. i'm a i'm a huge michael jackson fan um i don't listen to beyonce like that at all i don't watch any of her performances i don't watch anything but when when you're comparing a live performance I'm going with Beyonce over Michael Jackson because I think Michael Jackson, when people look at his performances, as Shamir was like mentioning, it's so much about the fans and their shock for Michael Jackson. He had people passing out all over the place and he was doing he was doing things to them. What he like his his he had like little moves that he would do and it was just this it was just this like iconic value that he had that he would do like one little like bam and it would just be like the fans go crazy and pass out. Right. And it was like, that's amazing. And he has that value, that shock factor that's just like so, it's only like one of a kind type thing. Dude, he was flying around 40 years ago. Like he was, and he had like a whole army 40 years ago. I, I love it. I know. I love it. But I'm saying like, you can make that comparison like nowadays. Like even. Wait, I didn't hear your Beyonce side to this though. Beyonce is like, I mean, when you compare the the endurance going on for that long and performing as much as she has, I think her being, I, I really think that her being a woman has to do with this. Like, I feel like if Beyonce was a dude, I feel like that dude would be a beast. They would be like, how does this man do this? But because she's a woman, there's not as many people paying attention to her i I myself said i don't pay attention to her and i just maybe i just don't like her music that much i think it's like it's how how you gonna come at lemonade it doesn't it doesn't excite me Hmm. it just like i I, think it definitely speaks to girls more yeah and and i think that's with i think that's with girls in general in music Mm -hmm. like when you go to a concert a girl concert versus a guy's concert at a guy's concert you'll see like mix You'll see dudes with their girls and girls there. You'll see guys there, like singles on both sides. But, you know, like a Beyonce concert, a Taylor Swift mm-hmm. concert, whatever, it's going to be predominantly predominantly women. And then, like, the males with that woman. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know, because I'm trying to put the bias aside and just, like, my love for Michael Jackson aside and just think of, like, who the better performer is. And I think that Beyonce is just, like... I mean, she, she, she's, she's doing definitely amazing. Yeah, like, I, I think it's crazy. But, like, you know, the, nowadays, like, everyone's one-upping each other. So I feel like, you know, you kind of have to. She has to do that, you know? Yeah, so that's, I mean... Like, I'm just saying, like, times do matter a but lot. But even when she was, like, pregnant, man... Yeah, that was crazy, girl- too was like she looked like a goddess up yeah. there she still had an army of people she surrounding did. her just like doing it but yeah. that's the thing is i don't know and i hate saying this out loud but i don't know if beyonce could hold her own on stage and be that so you're michael jackson no yes you are I, no yes, i'm not I'm we're saying, saying it for you i'm not i'm saying there's two completely different things michael jackson can do his own thing i don't think that like Beyonce could do that, but that is I so team Michael Jackson. But if Beyonce, you literally, you but literally if Michael Jackson tried it. to do what Beyonce is doing, I don't think he would do it as well as there, Beyonce there's does. There's so many factors. Um. All right. 
so I have I have a um I have one of those deep questions. Okay. That I was yeah. thinking about. So I I want to know what your guys' opinion is on this. Would you rather uh know less on certain matters um for the sake of your happiness? So I say that thinking about like children, right? Children are all sort of innocent and they they don't know as much about the world or how life works. So they're they just like to play and they're not they're not like depressed like adults can be. They're not in that same type of thing. Right. You know, cuz an adult he can be like going to work and have the same cycle of life and he could know a lot of things that he didn't want he or she didn't want to know. Kids, they're just like they don't know that much and so they're like more so i guess happy mm-hmm. would you rather know less i'm gonna say no only because i choose to consume the information that i do and i very much know that by not consuming certain things that i could be happier but i choose to listen to it because i'd rather be knowledgeable and cope with that rather than be unaware and happy because then i just feel ignorant you wouldn't know that though you wouldn't know that you're ignorant. But if I'm choosing to, then I would say that I would rather not do that. I like knowing and having to deal with it almost. So personally for me, I would say I would want to actually know the information because I feel like when you learn things, you're able to make a bigger impact and have a better understanding of things. And through learning, you learn about the bad side and it makes you, yeah, i make you upset. But I think through the hard times is when a real person shines through and where you can actually find your passion, where if you don't know anything, you're kind of living in this world that doesn't really exist. What about the things that don't impact, like, you know, your ability to do something or it's not about, like, some social issue that you can help. It's just, like, this this knowledge that you now know. Like, this is what I want to compare it to. So, like, I feel like we were all, like, and I know this doesn't need to be a political thing, but I'm going to make it political really quickly (laughs) for just a quick second. Um, Like, I feel like when we had President Obama, we didn't, like, know a lot. And I was very happy with that at the time because, like, he made us feel safe. That's a good comparison. And he would be, like, not telling us things because he didn't want to worry the country and he felt like it was his responsibility to keep us like shielded away and now that those blinders have been taken off i appreciate that they have been taken off because i can see what what one way leads us and what the other way leads us and i prefer what i see now even though i appreciated what it was then Damn. so you're so you're happy about uh trump in a way yeah And I think that I also was happy about Obama saying, and it's time. So I was a kid then, and now I'm an adult. I think my answer is pretty obvious. I mean, I would like the information. Like, I genuinely feel like a kid still, and I feel like I will for, like, even when I'm an adult, just because, like, that's always my mindset on life, and that's, like, my outtake on life, and I always approach the positives in life and stuff like that so i feel like even getting in negative information i still feel like in some way it is positive like i can always find a positive to whatever negativity it is you know what's funny what somebody literally told me that 
uh they were like i feel like in a not in a bad way but shamir's like has this very kid personality <laughs> that's I, so funny i genuinely that. feel that way like i feel like a kid like all the time i feel younger now than i did like two years ago or three years ago or four years ago dang yeah i literally that that's me too and you can literally ask amber like i'm a child yeah and i think it's great like you're still independent and you're yeah. still like you know mature and whatever but at the same time it's like you have that immature side and you're just definitely and with that knowledge you mm-hmm. can be more immature i feel like in some sort of fashion nice cool what was your answer I don't have an answer. I was just thinking about it. Bro, what the heck? You always <laughs> this do. is not what? fair. You can't you ask an answer. question and no, not answer. No, I don't have an answer. I was like, this is a question that I was thinking okay, of. Okay, well, well, and I'm like, take us through your thought I wonder. process. Yeah, but then that, that's why I asked you guys. Okay, take, take us through your thought, thought, thought process. process. What would you prefer? No, I, well, the th- I'll take you through, through the thought process, but hearing your opinions like helps me form my own, I guess. But like, I was thinking of like, when it comes to, for example, like gossiping and... Uh, hearing things that you you wish that like you didn't hear about yourself no or about it could be about people. yourself it could be about anything anybody else or like um whatever somebody says something weird gross uh unnecessary inappropriate so basically you say. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much when i speak no um and it's like that doesn't i hear where you, where you guys are coming from but like those things don't add value to you but maybe subconsciously they do i don't mm-hmm. know That's i mean interesting. i feel like even, overall even then like i don't know since i see everything as a positive even mm-hmm. though it may be negative yeah i feel like in right. some way sense. somehow like i can you know do something about it mm-hmm. or like subconsciously or maybe just like you know be happy or you know just do small little things i feel like you know little things could change and i always like believe in that you know to be honest, like, even in that situation, like, me and Aisha were having a conversation last week at, like, 5 in the morning <laughs> about how, like, you know, like, we were going, like, basically we were listing things that we had just found out recently that, like, people were saying. And at the end of that conversation, I was like, okay, well, now I'm comfortable with it and I don't have to worry about it. Like, it's better for me to put know it now because, like, now that I know it, like, whatever, cool, now it's done. Like, I, too, I made the decision to be, like, I don't care about this anymore. And I think like, it makes it you stronger than, too, which is what we were saying right. as well. That if you're mm-hmm. sheltered all the time and you don't hear those things and you get more offended in life, everyone's always going to have something to say. True. So, so when you that's do hear point. it, it's like, well, now that's another thing I've heard. Cool. Yeah. Whatever. It doesn't affect me. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to be hearing from somebody very special today. Um, our guest on the show, our stranger, is Noreen Khan. She's a Baltimore City High School teacher. Um, she grew up sort of finding and questioning her identity as both being biracial and um, being Muslim. Um, and she talks to us about how she teaches and learns from uh, her students about diversity and the things that, you know, in today's age that uh, sort of are the social issues and things like that um, and how she deals with all of those things, especially looking and experiencing a different life than um, her students. And she also goes into defining the stereotypes that the city schools get and often get called like urban students and things like that. So it's our pleasure to introduce Noreen.
guys. <laughs> Why do you call her Beans? Because her name is Noreen, but then we started calling her Rena, and then we started calling her Rena Bina. So now she's Bina. Beans. Yeah. So How- Bina became Beans. How yeah. long have you known her? What, a decade? <laughs> Almost. A decade, wow. Yeah. Almost, yeah, nine years. Yeah, we became friends when I was, well, we, you were in ninth grade, I was in 10th grade. Yeah. Is so. that a long time for girls? I think that's a really long time for girls. It's a very long time. For a friendship that's this consistent for this long, mm-hmm. that's this close, yes. I feel like girls go through best friends like all the time. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is I have had friends like throughout the years that I'm not that close to anymore. But like this particular friend group and like with Noreen, we've been consistently close for the past, what, nine years or whatever. That's yeah. awesome. Dang. So. How, do you f- how do you feel about this podcast? I'm excited. I'm honored to be on here. Aww. I'm a little bit intimidated. She's tearing up. She's tearing well, up. <laughs> why are you intimidated? This is your friend. I know. We're your friends. But is I it, know, but is now it's a professional setting. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You're so like very like, supportive. Yeah. I think out of like... All of Amber's friends that I know, like you're always like you got us balloons. And Hafsa, don't and forget Hafsa. about Hafsa. Hafsa is too. Yeah, Hafsa is very supportive. Yeah. Um, but like you bought us balloons and like yeah. all the stuff for like when we were doing uh, Brown Code Party Season Two, right. and you were actually on the first Brown Code. I know. Yeah. How was that? That was a little bit embarrassing. You were a of hit. what I you said. You had <laughs> one of the best lines. So you were. I guess we, we need to talk about this. No. <laughs> no. Okay. You need to describe what happened. <laughs> Are we are we Is talking it, about what I what I think we're talking about? I think yes. we are. Yeah, okay. but I've matured since then. This was a year ago. No, it wasn't. No, it was, was two, like two years, years ago. ago. Almost three years ago. I've learned. I've Not been even. shamed into learning my lesson. Okay, well, I mean, we don't have to talk about this. <laughs> okay. But if you're interested, check out Noreen Khan in season one of Brown Code. Exactly. So, have you always been like, you know, this in tune with uh, your cultural roots? No, not at all. Um, I remember... What is it? You're like half and yeah. half, right? So I'm half Algerian on my mom's side. Okay. And then my dad's side is um, Pakistani. And then I was born and raised here in Maryland. Um, and I live in the county in Baltimore County. And I remember... Um, it's very... <laughs> <laughs> it's very... What? <laughs> when I'm, I'm sorry. I want her to say it. It's just... There's just two different Noreens that like one that I knew and one that I know now. And yeah, no, that's what I'm, I'm thinking saying. about. That's that. what I'm oh, you saying. were wildin'. No, but before middle school, so like the neighborhood that I live in and like the middle school that I went to is very white, and white is the, the, the dominant race, and after that it's African American and Hispanic. So there weren't a lot of Middle Eastern people or even Arabs. So when I went to middle school, I felt like we weren't. Our family isn't really big in the brown community. Is an Arab Middle Eastern? Well, I'm North, I'm North, North African, so it's oh, not okay. the Middle East. Got it. But, um, but so there aren't a lot of, there weren't a lot of, you know, Arabs or Paki people when I was growing up in middle school. So I used to tell people that like, I'm not Muslim. And I used to like completely Dang. dissociate myself. I was completely and now you're assimilated. Here job. Yeah. But at that time, it's like my sisters are way older than me, mm. and they were in college, and I was just kind of on my own raising myself because my parents worked. So I was completely assimilated into the Western culture, and I wanted to be like all the white people in my classes. Um, so honestly, it was in ninth grade when I met um, when I met Amber's cousin Nadia. We went; she like transferred in, and I was already at the high school in freshman year. And it was like, the first time that I've seen like this brown girl who's awesome and who's like 
pretty westernized, but she still tries to incorporate her brown culture. And I was never around that. Like, no one in my family was really like that. Um, so, like, just for context, my family is the only family in America. Everyone else is either back home in Pakistan mm. or back home in Algeria. So it's just us. So we don't have that community. On top of that, we're, like, biracial. Did people that, think you were white when you were growing up? Yeah. They- so I... I only started wearing my hijab when I was in college. So oh, okay. when I was in high school, I got Korean, I got Mexican, Korean, wow. I got, yeah, I got Asian, everything but what I actually was. <laughs> <laughs> and it probably didn't help that you were telling people that you were white, right? But that was in middle school. Right. Okay. Yeah. And it's not She's like... changed, Amber. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, so I was below 14 years old. So it was like, I was pretty naive back then. And it's not like I, w- I would say, oh, I'm not brown or I'm not Algerian. It's just I wouldn't be proud about it, yeah. is what I mean, when I was in right. middle school. So go ahead, continue. So when I met, yeah, our best friend, um, Nadia, it was the first time I was introduced to a girl who looked different um, and who looked like me. And then from that, I met um, three other girls who were already friends with Nadia as well, Amber being one of them. And they are the ones, um, I don't want to get emotional. <laughs> That's what you get emotional about? about Yeah, because it's like those girls, like I didn't have, you know, you guys were my sisters and I didn't have (laughs) growing up. So it's like you guys were the ones who, you know, introduced you to the culture. This is amazing. This is okay. So before the podcast, it was like, okay, if I cry, like don't make fun of me. Like, but this is amazing because we've never had anybody cry on the podcast before. I'm not going to lie, I'm tearing up. Just because, like, the sound of your voice. <laughs> Yo, it's I gonna love be a crying that. fest. You're a very good friend, like I can tell. I appreciate you being so much. Thanks. This is great. <laughs> I love. I don't know why, but no. I love when people cry. Also, this is awesome because it shows like how strong your friendship is with Amber. I think it's also because she's like sitting right here. <laughs> so it's like, okay. It's like weird because I knew coming into this podcast that it would be a lot of internal reflection. Uh huh. And part of me was like, that's why I need a prep. So mm. I didn't become like this. So, <laughs> so you li- li- you literally work. like, we just saw before uh, you showed us on your phone, you have like, p- like pages of notes that you prepared for this podcast before. Yeah. Like, what is that about? That's just when I was in middle school and high school, I figured out how I learn. And I figured I thought out. you were going to say I've been writing those since middle school. Oh, no. This is the moment I've been waiting for. <laughs> this is like American Idol for you right now. And we just told you yes. Yeah. All three judges told you yes. And now you're crying because you're going to Hollywood. Yeah. I wow. mean, your approval means a lot. So. Well, uh, that does it for the podcast. <laughs> promo. No. But okay. So yeah. since middle school and high school. Um, so I just, about the pages thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I just realized I'm not a very confident public speaker, which is weird because I ended up in teaching. Um, so then if I write down all my thoughts, I become more confident with what I'm going to mm-hmm. say verbally. So it's just wow. like mental prep. It's like how you write an outline before you write an essay. Do you do so. that with while you teach right now? <clears throat> no, not at this point because it's my second year and I already have a lot of experience and I got it down. But when I was doing um, my internship, I definitely had to be like that and write down literally word for word verbatim what I plan on saying in order to feel confident in front of 30 students who are looking at you and waiting wow. for you to make a move. So now what is that? What do you teach? So I teach government to freshmen and anthropology to 11th graders and it's an IB school in Baltimore City. 
Anthrop- you have anthropology? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So yeah. that, makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, what's it like to be a teacher with a hijab? I've never actually seen that before myself. That's really like, cool. Do yeah. uh, what? What do your students mostly look like, and do you get attract attention or questions with your hijab? Well, when I started teaching, I've been a teacher for two years now, and when I started out, I had already worn my hijab for three years, so I felt pretty confident in my identity as a Muslim woman. So then going in, I didn't really feel any hesitation, and I didn't feel any doubt. I felt perfectly fine. I wear a hijab, but that's not the only thing I'm offering these students. Mm. But the people who did, who were kind of afraid or were kind of hesitant for me were my family, and they were kind of like, you know, they're brown and Arab, and they were kind of like, you know, you're working in the city, and we, you you look like you're outwardly Muslim and we're just afraid for your safety. And I was just like, you know, calm down. Like, it's fine. It'll be fine. Um, but then when Donald Trump became president, I was still within my first year of teaching last year. And that's when my parents were even more scared, not because of like the students or anything, but just because you're in the city. Exactly. Right. But yeah, but that also like, <clears throat> excuse me, that also like plays into the stereotypes of working in the city and that also made me kind of shrug it off my shoulders when my family would say that because they don't really work in the city and they don't really I mean my dad's only exposure to the city is working in 7-elevens and his stores that he works there and obviously like there's crime there so he has a pretty bad image of the city but other than that um is that something you address yeah. right away or how do you or <laughs> do people ask you and then like how do you respond People as in my students? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so... Do you talk about it initially or you wait for somebody to say something? I never talk about it unless okay. it's a teaching moment. So when I started out teaching, I had mentally decided that I'm not going to mention my hijab. Like, I wear mm-hmm. a hijab, you're going to have to accept it. I'm your teacher, I give you your grade. And so since I started making that decision, I really never um, outwardly say it unless it fits with the discussion. So especially in anthropology, we teach, or I teach a lot about um, like cultures and race and ethnicity and all these type of conversations. So then naturally I, yeah, and like naturally I bring it in. So it's not like I just pull it out of the blue, like I wear a hijab and I made fudger prayer before coming here. Like, you know what I mean? It has to fit. Um, Didn't you say that when you first started teaching that like you weren't necessarily allowed to say it unless students like, would ask you so then students would still ask you what you are even though you're wearing a hijab and stuff yeah there was also that fear like i didn't want to bring up my religion without there being context for it because of backlash that i felt like maybe parents would say something and at that time i had heard about i forget what school it was but it was in the south and they had taught um the kite runner they were teaching that in english and a lot of the parents got upset like we don't want to teach we don't want our students to learn about a book about Muslims. And so I felt some type of hesitation. And there was also another story um, where they were learning about Islam and they were reading like the Quran and the, the school got a lot of backlash. Um, and there was another story in Anne Arundel County, but I forget, but. Um, That's so dumb. Yeah, so I felt like I didn't want to explicitly say anything because I didn't want to get any backlash. Mm-hmm. I think it's good that you're their teacher mm-hmm. i feel like yeah. it would be a different situation if you were a substitute teacher because yeah. I, yeah. i've seen i've seen in my own school when there's been like we've had like indian substitutes and uh we've we've had um one of my friend's moms actually she wears hijab she's been a substitute and i've heard my own friends like make comments and stuff like that saying like really racist things and i had to be like yo what are you doing like you can't say stuff like that but 
you like they have to accept it yeah have, have and- you ever gotten anything that's been like a student said something that's like kind of out of line or anything well i think what you were saying earlier just being there in that classroom every single day at 7:50 is teaching them diversity mm. and teaching them that a teacher doesn't have to look a certain type of way and that this is how a teacher can look and she can look different but she's still your teacher um and i've never gotten any type of derogatory comments from my students because okay. they know me and i'm with them every single day but one time last year, I was subbing for another teacher and I was covering her class and it was the last period. And she had warned me b- before that these students are, you know, not that great. Um, <laughs> That's the teacher's Behavior wise, academically, they're great. But behavior wise, just like it's the last period and they're a rowdy bunch. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I come in, I'm at the front and they're working on their work and there's this group in the back and all these boys and they're freshmen. And they were squad. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like goofing off, whatever. And I hear this comment in the back, like, I forgot what they, what the context was, but he was like, oh, she's wearing a blanket on her head. And I heard that and I was like, I called him out on it. I like yelled at him and I was like, come up here, give me your name right now. I'm going to talk to you after class. And we talked about it after class and he was like, no, I just heard my uncle say something like that. So I kind of understood where he was coming from because. A lot of these students, they don't know any better. They're 14 years old. All their thoughts are getting from their parents, their friends, or mm. social media. So it's not like it was his original idea that he thought I wore a blanket over my head. But hopefully Very from that conversation... Because the great thing about teaching freshmen is that they're like a sponge. Their identity isn't yet formed. Mm. So me having that conversation with him hopefully altered his mentality. But That was cold of him. <laughs> he could have used a blanket. <laughs> I was thinking of that the whole time. Thank yeah. You, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, well, that's um. You were talking about the though. social media um, that kids get a lot of their opinions from social media. You were recently in high school. You're a young teacher. You started teaching at 21. Mm-hmm. So, what was that like going from being in a classroom as a student to what literally four years later being in there as a teacher? So, like when we were in high school. We we had cell phones, we had flip phones, and then the touch phones came out, and it was like the iPhone 3, and there were even iPads and all that stuff, but everything was limited. So you couldn't call people after 9 o'clock, or you had like two text messages every month or whatever like that. But these students, they have unlimited capabilities with their self, cell phones in class. Um, they're constantly um, on social media, or they're on, you know, obviously they're texting or on video games or whatever it is. But I've kind of classified my students in one of two ways and the first one is either a student is extremely addicted and you can tell like if you were to walk in my classroom there's students who are extremely addicted and students who are self-regulated who are like me and you know when you when to use your phone and you know when not to Um, what do you do do you separate them or what no i don't separate them you just know them mentally my i have like this key phrase it's your grade not mine wow and i feel like at Oh, you're one of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's your grade, not mine. You, wait, so you're like pretty close in age. Yeah. I mean, relatively to other teachers, especially to these students. Yeah. So, I mean, do they think of you as like cool or are you like, because you're very, She's you're a very like, nice yeah, person, but I feel like, are you, but yeah. are you a, like, a, are, you are you the opposite when you're teaching? Cool. Like, that's where you let it out so you can be nice in person. Right? No. <laughs> no, I think I'm, I don't mean to like, I don't want to brag or like talk too much about myself, but I'm definitely cool. But that's because I get it. Okay. Like, I you're get definitely when not they're... cool. Because teachers that say that they're cool, 
definitely the, are. Other words. I definitely am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why I, are you cool? Because Prove I, it. like, when they're on their phone and I'm talking, like, I. You it's Snapchat, not disrespectful. I'm like, hey, stop. <laughs> no, but it's not disrespectful. Like I have teachers who are more seasoned, more experienced, mm. and they hate students using their cell phone. Mm-hmm. And I don't say anything out loud because I'm afraid I'll get persecuted by the other teachers. But in my mind, I'm just like, dude, like they're on their phone. Like who cares? Because I get it. Because I'm when I'm in college, I'm on my phone all the time too. But I'm still listening and I'm still getting the grades. And the students who are in my class and they're using their phone all the time, they still get great grades. Like they wouldn't be at that school if they didn't. Mm-hmm. So there's just like this, I think it's a generational That's gap, but I don't, I don't know. It doesn't offend me like it offends other do teachers. You, do you ever say, I'll wait? Yeah, I'll I wait. do. Ugh. What are some common phrases God, you use? You're, do- you're definitely <laughs> not cool. You say, you say it's your grade, not mine, and I'll wait. I'll wait is the worst and thing. Said, the- I definitely am cool. <laughs> <laughs> so some common phrases, um, usually I just call the person by their name. Like if you're doing something wrong, and say you're on your phone while I'm talking or I'm giving like a lecture, I'd be like, Shamir. And then you're like, look at me. Dang. How quick, and then that's it. How quick does it take for you to like learn everyone's names? Like the second week I got it. Dang. And I teach 120 students every day. Wow. Five times a day. The difference that I've noticed between your our generation and theirs, which I don't know, if, the generations, is that they're a lot more like socially active. Mm-hmm. Do you see that in the classroom? Okay, so the well, you know the um, Parkland shooting that happened in Florida a couple early in um, February. So um, the school that I teach at is very politically active, and when we were their age, we definitely weren't at all. And so I walked into the school, and I've been there for you know a year and a half, and these students are amazing. I mean, academically they're awesome, but then politically, and they're just so socially aware and they're very into social justice movements so with the parkland shooting um the first walkout i think was the week after on a wednesday and i was teaching and it was the middle of the day and we were talking about something with government it was my freshman and it was 11 30 or around 11 and like half the class just gets up and they're like ready to walk out did you know that no, I had no idea. This was a very, oh, wow. very first walkout. Okay. And they walk out, or they're they're getting ready to walk out. And I'm like, stop. Where do oh you think gosh. you're going, right? I was like, freaked out. They were like, Mrs. Khan, like, we love you, and we love this class, but we're doing the walkout. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, the walkout for the Parkland shooting, it's going to be 17 minutes long, um, one minute for each person who passed away. And I was like, what? And I didn't know, if, and if I you didn't they were know. they pranking you? Yeah, oh. if I didn't know, that meant that n- none of the other teachers knew either. Mm-hmm. And the principal probably didn't know either because we would get like a staff email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was kind of like freaked out. I was like, no, you can't go. You can't because I didn't believe yeah, them. Yeah. So I like rushed out and I went across the hallway and like a lot of other students were leaving. And then like I figured it out and I was like, all right, you can go. But I didn't <laughs> wow. know how to feel about all it. Right, you're, definitely, you're cool now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know how to feel about it. Um, as a teacher, it was just a weird moment. Um, but because they walked out and because they had that power, like I could never imagine being their age and walking out like that. Like I would be terrified to walk out one of, out of one of my classes. What's the conversation like between uh, you know you and the other teachers? Are you guys uh, do you have to like think about these things when there's anything politically or socially going on? 
Yeah, we have to think first, is it going to disrupt disrupt the education of everyone else? Because if it disrupts their learning, then it's illegal and that you can get suspended for it. Um, as a teacher? As a student. Okay. So that's number one, and that's what the students always have to check. And if it's not disruptive, that means that they're legally allowed to engage in whatever action it is, like a walkout. Um, so then once the teachers figure that out, obviously we follow the lead of the principal. But then, for example, with the walkout, we had acknowledge that this is them practicing their First Amendment rights and fighting for their lives, and they acknowledge that they need to be heard. That's dope. And, like, yeah, we yeah. as teachers need to support them because as adults and as, like, teachers and administrators, we often dilute their feelings and don't take into account what these 14 to 18-year-old students are thinking. So um, with the walkout, initially we were surprised, but then eventually we became supportive. Um, do you personally feel anything like um, when like are you scared of anything uh, that could happen in your classroom or in your school? Yeah, so I think the week of the shooting that following weekend, there was like a threat to our school made over social media. And then on the Monday coming in, like the students had to get checked with metal detectors, but it was oh. just like this weird social media thing and they were stu some student was trying to be funny. Um, but other than that, I don't feel any type of threat. Um, and I think that's a very big stereotype that I've had to face. Like when I tell people and when I meet someone for the first time, they're like, oh, what do you do? I work in the city. And they're like, oh, I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, you work in the ghetto. Or do you like work somewhere where it's safe? Or you teach urban kids? And I That's hate not the who's word. shooting up the schools, though. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Going back to um, the politically active thing. Mm -hmm. So something else that I've noticed besides a walkout is something called Denim Day. What's and that? so one of my students from last year, she came to me two weeks ago. She was like, Miss Khan, I want you to be the sponsor for this. It's Denim Day. And I was like, What is Denim Day? And this is a student who's very politically active and she's only 15 years old. And she was like, so Denim Day is April 25th. And in 1998, um, in Italy, the Italian Supreme Court overturned a ruling from this rape case. And the context of it is this 18-year-old girl was driving with her 45-year-old instructor and he told her to pull over and he raped her. And so she... Obviously, she went home, she told her parents, and the guy, the rapist, was like, if you tell your parents, I'll kill you. She went home, she told her parents anyway, they filed a lawsuit, and they won. And then the rapist overturned it and eventually went up to the Supreme Court. And so the um, justices had decided that, because she was wearing really tight jeans, that she had to have helped him in taking off her jeans. And in taking off her jeans, she gave him consent to have sex. Dang. Right. What? So the next day, yeah, so the next day, all these women in um, Italy, they started to wear jeans and protest. And ever since then, 19 years later, April 25th is Denim Day. So that's so is that globally or just in Italy? It's globally. Okay. Yeah. And I think about eight states in the United States recognize it as the, like a day. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, so this girl comes in and she's like, I want to do this and I want... On Wednesday, for it to be a dress down day because they wear a uniform for students to wear denim in support of sexual assault awareness. And I was flabbergasted that this 15 year old girl is coming to me and she knows about this day that's, 
you know, it's very important, but I don't know about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's really cool that she came up to you and said that. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have that type of power or you had to talk to the principal or something? Or So she's the one who actually talked to the principal. Okay. I was just CC'd on the email because she needed a teacher. Got it. So. Right. Um, Did it go through? Yeah, it went through. So this Wednesday, or, it's going to be. Oh, wait, you can. Yeah. 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 Yo, shout out to you. <laughs> denim girl. Denim. Yeah. So you guys should wear denim on that day, too. So I always wear denim. So. <laughs> I'll wear tight denim on that day. Yeah. From the girls section. Good. But I mean, that's just one example. We have like City Block at our school and they're doing formation week where they bring to light blackness and embracing oh, their heritage. Is that what yeah, that? that's where oh, okay. it comes from because oh, that was like Beyonce's yeah. entire thing. So like Monday for that week is um, like mon- Mind Wrap Monday where all the girls and guys are going to like wrap their hair up. Because two years ago, the school actually suspended wearing scarves. Like, you can't wear wow. scarves un- unless it's religious. So, Formation Week is a form of rebellion against the school's policy. Hmm. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. Look at these kids. They're, like, so much more intellectual than we ever were. Yeah, and they were, like, it's, like, assimilation, and they're forcing, you know, us to get rid of our black heritage. And that's why we're going to have Formation Week. And it was, it was awesome. Do you think that getting caught, um, I'm not going to say caught up, but, like, Putting so much focus and attention on all these different social issues and everything uh, distracts from their education in any way? No, I think it enhances it 100%. Because, for example, with me, I'm just straight academics. That's it. But that's because in high school, that's all that anyone ever taught me. Like, there was no social justice movements. And it's not like there weren't any social justice movements around. It was just never brought to light. Yeah, it was never cared about. And it's... Like, walkouts aren't a new thing, especially led by students. I mean, if you think about the 1970s and all the walkouts, like the East L.A. walkouts, there were huge ones. But I guess when we were in high school, it just wasn't, it was just academics, academics, academics. And these students, they know how to write. They know how to speak. They know how to, you know, demand attention on social media. Um, so a confidence booster, too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Out of all your teachers, you're probably one of the younger ones. Mm-hmm. Um, does that age gap, like, do you see any differences in, like, or any major differences in teaching styles or handling these social justice situations or anything? Do you see that? I think on my end, I'm very inexperienced. And I don't know enough about actually helping students with these movements and, like, taking them on civil rights trip throughout the South so they can learn about, you know, their ancestry with slavery. Like, I have no idea what that about that stuff, and I don't know how to organize it, but there are these other teachers who are older and more seasoned, and they've been around for, like, the Vietnam War, and they've been around for, like, this one teacher, yeah, in the department. He was about to get arrested for refusing to be um, drafted into the war, but then Muhammad Ali went to the Supreme Court, and he won, so he didn't get arrested. So, like, there are these teachers who are... I admire so much more because they have that they're like my goals i want to be like them nice yeah you were talking earlier um about you know you being a city teacher and your parents having a certain or your family having um this sort of like outlook on what that might mean but like what are some other stereotypes that you get of a city teacher i think beyond the idea that i'm teaching urban kids so Along with that, I'm in graduate school, and I had this one professor last semester, and in that class, it's all these other teachers, and I'm the only teacher in there who teaches at a city school, and she was saying, oh, you're a social studies teacher, right? And I was like, yeah, and then she, like, narrows in on me with her body, and she's like, "Um, 
but your students aren't going to four-year colleges, right? Oh, and I was wow. like, oh, wow, what? She was like, I was like, what? And she was like, no, I mean, they're going to two-year colleges, right? And I was like, what are you insinuating? Like, I didn't even know what to say. And she was like, oh, no, no, never mind, never mind. And we, like, went on to another topic. But that had, like, scarred me. And I went into school the next day. And I actually told my student that story. And I told them. And I was like, this is a stereotype on you. And you need to defeat that. And you need to show people that you get into Ivy League schools. And you go into Brown. And you get into Harvard. And you go into these amazing colleges. Like, don't become what they nice. paint you out. That's two cool check, check marks for you. <laughs> But that's something else that gets me, too, when people are like, oh, you work in the city and you teach, like, urban students, which is another word I hate, urban. Um, because they don't know that, like, these students wake up at 5 a.m. every morning just to go to school. Their parents don't always drop them off. Mm. They have all these obstacles to face. They still get those amazing grades, and they still go to those great colleges. Do you have a long-term goal with it? Or, like, what you hope to get out of it? Or, like, what you hope that your students get out of it? I just hope for my students... I just hope that they, I kind of give them a speech at the end of every year so far, but I just hope that they learn to be nice to each other and like accept each other. If that's like anything that I've been able to teach them, like being a Muslim woman and standing in front of you every day and, you know, teaching things that I teach outside of government is just being tolerant and being nice to each other. And if that's the only thing I gave them, I think that's important. You don't need to learn research skills. (laughs) I know. It's sentimental. I don't cry about this stuff. (laughs) <laughs> also i wanted to ask um yeah. what so you're biracial like has that been an obstacle at all or like what is the pros of that or cons um so growing up i saw all the cons and all the negatives all and the it, cons k-h-a-n <laughs> okay yeah because her last name's con yeah both of ours yeah um that's why so she's I, my wife yeah exactly so um yeah I definitely saw all the negatives even like outside of middle school um I felt judged a lot and it's kind of it's very similar to being like mixed black and mixed white like Mm -hmm. it's same dynamic but I don't speak either language so I don't speak Arabic and I don't speak Urdu and that one I guess fault that I have has made me it's two true (laughs) (laughs) Really? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry I'm just... She talks about how it's a fault and you remind her that it's more than just one. But... She had two chances. <laughs> um, but that one fault that I have has really, when I was growing up, really made me take a step back from both cultures. And I think that's when I got into Islam because I don't need to know a language to know that, to like be accepted into Islam. It's like pretty, very judge-free. And that's when I kind of find my niche, found my niche with that. Um, but not speaking speaking the language, I've noticed, has been a very touchy topic, and a lot of people judge me for that. Do you feel dragged by either community, like, you're with us, or you're with us, or, like, you're not or, with yeah. us? No, yeah. at this point, I've kind of found my, my own self-identity, and I don't, I don't really want to be associated with either or. Like, I'm Noreen Khan, and I'm biracial, and it took me a long time. And I'm a cool teacher. Exactly. I'm a cool teacher. <laughs> Get with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it took me a long time to find that empowerment within myself. And I still feel that like self doubt, even like with like transitioning into getting married and like recognizing that I don't know the language that my future in-laws speak. And it's a lot of insecurities that come with just not speaking this language that 
you know, my parents didn't teach me. And so when I tell people that, like, I don't speak the language, the entire time I've been growing up, even, like, close relatives who do speak it, they're like, oh, you should know Urdu. Mm. And when they say that, I used to feel like, why are you attacking my parents? Because my parents know they didn't teach me Arabic or Urdu, but they gave me everything, like, in this country. And just because I don't know a language invalidates who I am or invalidates my racial background or the fact that I'm not, like, Packy enough or I'm not Arab enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's similar to um, this interview that Gina Rodriguez gave on how people were criticizing her not speaking Spanish well enough on Jane the Virgin. And she was saying that speaking a language isn't the only requirement for being Hispanic. Like that's not all it is. Um, so I think... I know. Even with our friends group, like we've had like times because the three of us, the other three friends of ours, we all speak Urdu, and I yeah. know that sometimes we'll make references or we'll say full-on sentences, and then we'll come back and be like, "Oh yeah, Noreen, it means this." And like, even though we don't do it directly, like I'm sure that over time it kind of puts like, it's almost in a way like outcasting you a little, or you know, we kind of have to refer back to you, mm-hmm. like you're not included in the conversation. Yeah. And I see that like sometimes that might you know yeah be a barrier even though we are your best friends and like yeah you know I think I'm just used to it like I'm used to going to brown parties and like everyone talking in one language and then like one person catches your eye and it quickly translates for you and it's embarrassing and mm-hmm. I used to like feel a lot of resentment towards my parents for not teaching me but then as I grew up I realized you know how dare someone make me feel angry mm-hmm. at my parents um and real quick like you went from the transition of, um, you know, n- not associating with your culture or religion as much to having a hijab and like really having more friends, I guess, that are brown and things like that. Um, but at the same time, like your friend group is more outgoing. And there's a stereotype with like people when they see somebody with a hijab on that like, oh, they're probably very like, you know, to themselves, reserved and all about their religion. And that's all that they do. What are your views on that? I think that's true that, yeah, women who do wear hijab are obviously pretty modest and obviously they might have some type of connection, you know, whatever is personal. But that's not to invalidate someone who doesn't wear a scarf. It means that they're any less religious or they're any less like conservative or any less modest. Like in no way does me wearing this scarf mean that like I'm a better Muslim or I'm less outgoing. There are like Muslim women out there who are, you know, having all these businesses and they're bloggers and they're YouTubers. So I think it's it's a huge misconception. Um, but I definitely played into that growing up. Nice. <laughs> um, if you want to shout out like your social media or anything or like um, anything that you might do on the side, wink, wink. <laughs> you got anything that you're doing, Beans? Yeah, you can check me out on Etsy. Hey. <laughs> Stamp of approval. What are you doing on Etsy? Um, so when I was in college, pay the bills um we like me and my mom did this little candle business called gifts of noor and we just make these um islamic candles and it's like for eid or ramadan or weddings or whatever it is so you can stop by there that's cool that's so dope okay how did you find out like how to make candles (laughs) um so i actually wanted to give it for a gift to somebody and i wanted to personalize it um to get their like Get in their good graces. Um, and when I I was like trying to find a way to do it, so obviously I YouTubed it and I saw 
um, a lot of people doing like the candle business. So then I experimented a little bit and then I just figured it out. And That's from awesome. There, yeah. You could probably just like save up a ton of your earwax like in a jar over time <laughs> and then just stick a, what's the, what's the thing? In wick, the, a wick, wick. A wick? Yeah. Just stick a wick in it. Would you like my earwax? As a candle? Yeah, let's collect it in a jar and then sell it. Okay. Dude, no, what about, business. what if I give it to you as a gift? Would you like that? My earwax? Well, yeah, then it adds, then I can sell it. No, no, Especially, but to keep it. No, I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to sell not? it. You don't want my earwax? Be, yo, like Shimmer's earwax candle. <laughs> Dude, ima- imagine if you had like Kanye West's earwax candle. I don't yeah. need that. It's a new business. <laughs> All right, how about Kim Kardashian's earwax? Maybe. <laughs> Cardi B's. Oh, yes. oh 100%. <laughs> Noreen, I always knew that you were dope and you've always been so kind to us, but I feel like we've gotten to a new level now. Good. Where hearing your story and everything like, mad respect yeah. thank you and i know that you're a cool teacher thank you me too let's <laughs> add an extra five years onto our relationship <laughs> from this conversation exactly so your friend amber brought you on here um i think amber will do the honors and asking you the most important question if you could be any flavor if you could describe yourself as any flavor what would it be and why earwax <laughs> um i think it would have to be Marshmallow. Why? Don't act Hello. like you didn't write that down on your thing. <laughs> Hello, she, took a, she took a pause. She took a pause <laughs> like, oh, let me think about it. You definitely wrote that down. I definitely did. Is it Halal? <laughs> <laughs> Is it Halal Marshmallow? Jet Buff? Jet Buff? You guys from Jet Buff? Um, yeah, so Marshmallow, just because I think it's soft and it's sweet and it goes with anything. And it's lovable. Aww. Beansy. <laughs> I know. That's so cool, Marshmallow. Yeah. I like that. Good. Well, we wish you the best of luck with Thank everything you. that you take on in life and, and for your students too, because I know that they're benefiting from everything that you are. Um, and yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, we appreciate for you. Thank you. Um, for everybody listening, thank you for listening to another episode of Strange Flavors. It's been another week. Another flavor. A little less stranger. We'll talk to you next time. Life's been like this, I'm in a crisis. What do I reminisce and miss? She gave me a kiss, now I'm thinking, what is this? I get too deep, too sentimental. Stays in my mental was I just a rental? They don't know I'm gentle, soft spoken, heartbroken. She told me open, told my inner thoughts. She made like a dirty cloth. Man, I thought she was the one, not the one and dumb. But I guess life's a game like chess. Need a checkmate, speed of fate. Is it too late? I don't know, just gotta find the love of my life. I've been teaching day and night. I've been writing in the night.